What a good-looking bunch of people. How's everybody doing? Okay, well, you look better than you sound, so that's okay. That's okay. It's good to see you guys. If this is your first time at Fathom, welcome. Um, We pray this is an amazing experience for you. We pray it's just uh, an encounter with uh, biblical community and just a time to engage with the God above, the God who loves us so much and who, who, who sent a son to die for us. And, and we just hope that you grow in your faith today. We, we pray that you can grow in family, these great people uh, surrounding you. And so if you're a first time, we really do hope we get an opportunity to just become friends and kind of build a friendship uh, over the coming days. And there's a little connect card just through the service. You can feel free to fill that out. We won't stock you. We won't sell it, which that's a good idea, but we're not going to sell your information. We just want a chance to reach out and say, hey, um, and so last week we started on this great, this great new journey for, for the month of November called the Blessed Table. And really we just turned our attention to the Lord's Supper, to the Eucharist, to communion, to what we do every single week and what Jesus instructed us to do every time we gather. Really just looking at the significance of this. And we really just focused on the actual word Eucharist actually means gratitude. It means thanks and like Thanksgiving, kind of what we, we focus on this time of year and and really just to become more and more grateful for not just what Jesus did, but also looking for what he's doing right now and, and, and hopeful and knowing that he's not finished. And so with that brokenness in our heart to know that we're not the only ones that are hoping that things are restored, things are put back together as the Lord sees them um, fit. And so we started that journey, and, and this week we're going to continue that with another layer of the significance of this table and what I believe it speaks to us uh, uh, before we, we dive into the text, we're going to be going to Luke chapter 14 today. But before we dive into it, we've all had this moment um, where we've had to decide when we're invited to something, whether it was like grandma's hip replacement surgery party, or whether it was like a housewarming party for the neighbor that's lived there for four years. Like, oh, we're finally throwing our party, aka we need new silverware. Um, we've all had like invitations or, or a, a random, you know, birthday party or, you know, whatever it might be that we're not sure, like, but you get the invitation, you got to respond to it. And, and really, there's really the only two options. It's like, yes, I'm going to go or no, I'm not going to go. And, and really, we've created another one in our culture, which is like the indifference. It's like, you know, I'm not ready to decide. It, you've probably, it's been popularized as FOMO, the condition known as FOMO, like fear of missing out. So I'm not going to commit, but I, I'm not going to not commit either because I'm, I'm scared. You know, what if I, I don't have anything better to do? That may be the best thing on, on my calendar that day. So it's this fear of missing out. So we kind of wait, but at some point we have to decide on a response to an invitation. And uh, I mean, if you say yes, you got to decide, am I going to RSVP? And, and we know that nobody does that, right? What is that for anyway? I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, nobody ever does that. Um, but are we going to go because we want to or because we're being forced to go or we feel like we should go? But then there's the no, and this is where we really like to have some fun, especially as we get older, we get better at our excuses, right? I mean, when you were a kid, it was like dog ate my homework, it's all I had, and you usually got in trouble for the excuses, aka lies that we gave at school for why certain things didn't get done. And so as we get older, we get better at our excuses, aka we get to be better liars. Um, but we do that all the time. We have to have an excuse, a, a way out. You know, I mean, you can think of what your best excuse is. It's like, hey, man, I would really love to, but I'm meeting with my, my eyebrow specialist at 9 a.m. on Saturday, actually. I've got to be meeting with him. Or, you know, actually, my fortune teller says to not go, so I just, I can't. You understand. 
Um, or I'm going to be teaching my parrot to sing Adele's Someone Like You. You know, you know, I've got something to do. There's an excuse that we'll find for why we're not going to this. And we've all had that moment. And, and really, we, we've all experienced that when it comes to our walk with God, too. Uh, we, all, we all have excuses. And um, we all have reasons for why we don't do certain things. And we're going to look at a passage today that's really about an invitation it's an invitation, um, and, and an invitation that's, um, you know, resp- uh, the response is excuses, and, and it goes even further, and really what happens in the Lord's heart. So what I'm hoping to do today is to make an invitation to the kingdom of God, to walking with Christ if you've never walked with him before, and really just the beauty and the significance, but also I, I want to encourage and, and speak to the mission that we have as believers the mission we have and what this table speaks to us about the mission and, and, and the invitation to the table. So let's go to Luke chapter 14, um, and, and we're going to dive in today. And this is a, a passage um, that's also recorded in another place. Uh, it's in, in Matthew chapter 22, but it's not like the exact same story. So many of us can immediately think, hey man, it's recorded twice in the Gospels, but it's not the same thing. Like how can this be? How are we supposed to handle this? Well, Two things, the, the Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels, same scene, to be seen, same, like to be seen together. We're supposed to see them together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, and so when we approach them, we, we kind of read them together and know that they're each done in chronological order. So as we begin to look at that, we realize that, that these are actually two different times that Jesus told the story. Like you tell a story to mom, you tell it to, to grandma, to, to your best friend. Each time it's the same story, but there's some of the things have changed, we might have change some words out. We're not changing anything. And really the beauty about this, because it's two different accounts, and Jesus is telling a parable. So he's telling a story. um, And each time Jesus does this, he does it for our sake so that we'll come to understand the depths and the knowledge. And it's just so layered that that's kind of the joy of the parable is that we're always just like trying to pull it out. And and, and the the challenge is really to make sure we're lined up with the rest of scripture. And and our interpretation just isn't based on, yeah, I think it's saying this, but we're, we're, we're saying this based on the character of Jesus and the character of God that we see displayed throughout Scripture. So we're always kind of viewing it in that way. So Matthew chapter 22 is actually time when Jesus tells it later uh, in his life, this first one that we're really going to look at. And I'll I'll give you some comparisons of the differences as we go into Luke chapter 14. But we're going to find Jesus again at a table. And this time he's going to be a table of a Pharisee. And a Pharisee is a, a Jewish leader, teacher of the law, and they were very zealous about the law. If you've read anything about the Apostle Paul, he was, a, he was kind of the best of all the Pharisees, and he was known as a Judaizer. He persecuted uh, Christians. That, that's what he uh, loved to do. I mean, he was, he was killing people and having people killed for their faith in Jesus, and God would have a moment where his life is completely transformed, and he takes on a new name. That's when he, he changes his name to, to Paul. And so let's look to Luke chapter 14. We're going to pick up at verse 15. But Jesus is sitting down at the table with Pharisees, a bunch of religious elite people, and um, there's a man in front of him that has swelling of some sort, and Jesus, it's Sabbath, and like you don't do anything on the Sabbath, and he heals the man on Sabbath, and that's kind of what we did a couple of weeks ago with the Here for Good event. Jesus said it's lawful to do good on Sabbath, so we we did that, and we find also going forward from there that uh, they're sitting around the table. Everybody's kind of jockeying for position. We talked about that meals and the table time was ceremonial in this time period. And so they're sitting around the table, and they're jockeying for position, and Jesus says, look, let me, let me just give you a little wisdom here. You're better off to take the worst seat and then have the host move you up closer to the host and where the, 
where all the action, all the important people are at. You're better off to do that as opposed to sit right next to the host and try to grab the good seed or go get the food first and then be asked to be moved down. So, and Jesus goes on to say this quote that, that we love, and it's used several times in Scripture, is that whoever exalts himself is going to be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus is speaking about this time at the table, encouraging speaking life and really kind of messing up their theology when it comes to the Sabbath as he heals people on the Sabbath. And we come to, to verse 15. And on a response of uh, Jesus talking about the table and the seating and humility and exalting yourself, this is where we're going to pick up. When one of those at the table uh, with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Blessed, so we're talking about the blessed table. Blessed are those that, that get to eat in the feast in the kingdom of God. And so really it's speaking to us today. Blessed are we get to eat in the feast of the kingdom of God here in this present, but also um, in, in the age to come. Jesus replied. So Jesus responds to this idea of blessing, uh, that's, uh, of sitting at the feast of the kingdom of God. He responds to it with this parable. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. In the, in the gospel of Matthew, it, it, it's really portrayed, and, and it's Jesus, is, this time he's telling the story, he's talking about a father giving a wedding feast for his son. This time it's a great banquet, it's going to be a formal banquet at night, pretty much talking about the same thing, just the wording's a little bit different. At, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything's now ready. We see the similarity there in Matthew and in this text. Come, everything is ready at the table for the banquet. As he sent out this invitation. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I, I just bought a field. I gotta go see it. I love how lame that excuse is. Like, I got a field. Let me go look at it. And so I just picture like this party across the street and dude just standing there like looking at his field like, man, this is good. This is the life right here. I'm like, that must have been a really exciting field. Like, I don't know what was happening in that field that he had to go see it. But they all alike begin to make excuses. First, I bought a field. Let me, please excuse me. Like, prayerfully, excuse me. He goes on. Verse 19. Here's another person with another excuse. Another said, I've just bought a five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Like, I'm going to go work my, you want to go to work more than you want to go to the feast and eat for free? Like, come on. But this is like how bad some of our excuses are. And then the last one. Verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Like, I sort of get that. I see what he's saying. Sort of get it. But at the same time, these kind of fill and cover symbolically some of the things that we make our excuses about. The land was really, it's really symbolic of kind of our future provision. When you buy land, you were expanding your kingdom. You would expand what you were able to do, your inheritance for your children, and really, it kind of symbolizes building my own kingdom. And I just want to go out and just stare at like what I've done. I just want to get lost in that. So it's this idea of building our own kingdom. The five oxen are really representative of work. Like we make excuses based on our work for why we won't come to the feast, why we won't come to the table. Like, oh, I'll get around to doing it then. And, and then sometimes we do it relationally and family-wise. And Jesus was kind of hardcore about this with his disciples. I mean, to a time where a, a guy, you know, says, hey, man, let me, go, let me go bury my dad. My dad just passed away. Like, everyone in the room would be like, obviously, you should go. And Jesus is like, man, let the dead bury their dead. I'm like, Jesus, that is rough, man. That's hardcore. Like, let the man go bury his father. And, and Jesus is so hardcore because he, he's kind of inspiring a commitment to the kingdom and, and, and pushing against every excuse that we will give 
because we're good at them and we get better at them. And sadly, what we do in excuses is we begin to accept less of ourselves. And so far less of what we hope and what Jesus hopes for our lives. We begin to accept those things. We begin to believe those things and we don't even realize the whole time we're just lying to everyone and we're lying to ourselves. And so we've got to really begin to combat these excuses. We're going to move to, to a couple of verses here and just set them. So let's, let's finish through verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. He became angry. In both accounts, the Matthew account t- telling the story and in the Luke, th- the father and the master are angry that people didn't come. Like, come on, you've had a, a birthday party. You've had some kind of get together where you sent the invitations you stared out the window, and you just didn't get the response. You had a great time. You've had that before, and it's kind of frustrating. You prepared everything. You did everything. It was going to be a great event, and, and it's kind of anger, but it's like heartbroken at the same time, and so that's really what I get the picture here, that it's anger, but it's, it's also we can understand the emotion of just pain there, and he says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And so there's an immediate response. And this is where it gets a little bit different in, in Matthew and in Luke, that the response is a little bit different. Both times it's anger, but what happens from there is a little bit different. You can go in and study Matthew ch- chapter 22. It's way more hardcore, too, because uh, some of the excuses, you know, were, were you know, they were different um, excuses. And, and one of them was not necessarily an excuse, but people began to persecute the servants that went out and were inviting. And so there's this whole layer in there about Jewish captivity and their persecution and Christian, you know, persecution in the common time that that they were living in. And so there's a lot there. So we're not diving into that, but but study uh, Matthew chapter 22 this week. Go out in the streets and compel and bring them in, bring in the lame, the poor, and the blind. And you say, okay, Kyle, I get kind of where you're going here. Like, I understand like, okay, so go out and invite, like, but I, I haven't seen a lame person in a while and I haven't I run across a blind person all the time, and, you know, I, I just go driving up the streets. Like, what does this actually mean symbolically to us? Um, and, and I think it, it boils down at the first level. At first, it's an invitation into the kingdom of God. The table, the feast, the banquet is really about the kingdom of God. It's not about sitting at a table, which is great, and that's a, a way to do it. But it, the whole thing is really about the kingdom of God and having a heart for the kingdom, having a heart to see the kingdom grow. And through this, he's saying, go out and call them to come in. And the idea of being poor and crippled and lame and blind, really when it comes down to it, all of us before Christ, we're all of those things. We're, we're all of those things. We're blind to our sin, and Jesus wakes us up to that. We're crippled in our life and our hope for, for what is to come. We're crippled in putting things together in our own salvation there's so much that this layered there and that we're all in need to, to, to respond to the invitation. And we, we see the Father's heart that he's so angry because he wants, everything's prepared. He wants us to dine at the table. And, and we're going to begin to spend our time at verse 22 and 23, but let's finish out the passage and rest on that. Go back to verse 22. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Let's finish out. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Verse 24. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste 
of my banquet, Matthew says, that they're unworthy, uh, that they're unworthy to receive it. If, if you don't accept the invitation of Jesus, uh, we'll be unworthy to, to sit at the table uh, with the Father. Like, hey, you're doing RSVP, man. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what it is there. So we're going to begin to sit and rest on verses 22 and 23. And I believe this is all going to come to life and really what I'm speaking to today and really what it looks like to invite people to the table and why should we invite people to the table and really why should we respond to that invitation. So let's, let's go into verse 22 and 23 and we're just going to make those and as we get through the, the kind of the points here, we're just going to highlight those as we go. So uh, go to that verse 22 and let's just kind of sit here for a second and begin to rest. Sir, the servant said, uh, sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done but there is still room. So why? Well, why should we invite to the table, why should we invite into the kingdom of God? Is because there's still room. Because there's still room. And today we can make this very practical and begin to look in this room and say, hey, there's still room. But I want you to, our hearts got to be focused about the kingdom of God. And really, that's the, the, the focus of this, not our, our church services. It's about, it's about an invitation and response to Jesus. But I think there's also, when he begins to talk about my house being full, Jesus is very much specifically speaking about our gathering. So, but there's still room. And, and I want to tell you this. Our goal as a church is always going to be to fill it up and create more space. Fill it up and create more space. Why? Not because we care about bigger buildings, because we need to hit quotas or hit goals. No, you want to know why? It's because we care about the kingdom. It's because we care about people meeting Jesus, and our hearts are set on that. And, and it, I don't know if this will be expressive of it, but certainly we want it to be. We want to continually fill up the room and then make more space. Fill up the room. We want to fill up our nursery, which our people have been great about doing recently. We've had like seven babies in the past like three months. So you guys are doing good with filling up the nursery. <laughs> so, so, so we want to fill up our kids' buildings and then create more space. We want to fill up this room and create more space. Not because we care about our buildings, not because we think it's an extra jewel in our crown, but because we care about the kingdom and we care about people. And we should always be working to fill it up. And so that's really where it starts. First reason, why? Why invite to the blessed table? I'm blessed as he who sits at the table. Why invite them to this blessing and this free meal that's prepared? Everything we could want is because there's still room. Jesus says it. Let's continue. Go back to the text. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes. Gee, they've actually already gone out, right? Like Jesus, like we literally just did that. He's basically saying, try harder. Try harder. Like you're not trying hard enough. He's saying, go out to the roads. Go to places you haven't gone before. And, and, and really, at the beginning of this year, we started this year with a series called Go. All these times that Jesus says, go to people. Go, leave your life of sin. Go and make disciples. Go, go, go. He says it over and over again so many times. And it's that we have a calling to go out. But I don't know about, about you. Everybody's different, like what they do on Thanksgiving Day. But I know for me, after I've feasted at the table... 
I just want to chill. Like some people go out and like shoot guns and shop and like I just want to lay on the couch and, and enjoy some football. And really, as Christians, that's sometimes what we're like. Like we're feasting. Like we're just in love. Like God, man, that was so good. That was such a good word for me. And like I'm just so encouraged. Like things are going well. And like I, I, I'm really just kind of spiritually fat. And like we, we get so comfortable and we just want to lay on the couch. And it's very common in the life of a family-sized church, which we are right now, which we love and we embrace. We want a comfortable environment, an environment where people feel at home. I mean, we want you to grow in faith and family. We say it. We're a place that embraces authentic community. And just you're going to find people who are real here. We embrace those things, and it's so good, but it's so dangerous, too, that we get so comfortable that we forget our mission statement is to go and make disciples. We forget our calling as Christians to go out beyond comfort. And, and I'll just tell you that this place will never be a place where comfort overcomes mission. Never. This place will never be a place where we're just okay because God's birthed a passion in us and he's given us a heart for the kingdom. And, and when Jesus says, go back out, go further, go look harder, then we're going to do that. We're going to do that. And so we're called to go out and we've got to understand this, this comfort that we rest with. And really what we do is we bring the excuses to the table, right? Well, no one asked me to. Like, well, actually, Jesus did. He did a pretty good job of it. You actually were asked to. Well, I'm not called to do that. Yeah, yeah, we are. Like, it, it's, it's not the thing of, 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 a, of a church or a pastor. It's the thing of the church, of all of us. And so we've got to begin to walk in that and not just you know, rest in these excuses that we've become so comfortable with for why we're not sharing the love of God, why we're not living and expressing his love and grace. And someone's like, oh, I'm an introvert. Here's, the, here's a, a, a shocker. So am I. I'm an introvert. Seriously, I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. Like, it's very difficult. Like, when I go in and get my muffin from somewhere, like, I just, just want to get my muffin, like, not talk to, that is my natural M.O., and I, 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 I handed that excuse to the Lord for years. I mean, I, we've, got, we've all got excuses. Well, I'm really busy at work, or I want to go stare at my field. Whatever it might be, we've all got excuses. We've all, all got excuses. But we've got to overcome them, because the Christian life is never one of comfort and ease. I mean, come on, what if Jesus would have like modeled that comfort and ease thing for us, right? He didn't model that for us. He didn't model that and encourage that in the life. He said, no, leave everything behind. He said, set all those things aside and be focused on my kingdom. He said, let the dead bury their dead. Jesus was hardcore. Like, we paint him as this, like, you know, blonde hair, blue eye, like, beautiful speaker that loved children. And he was, and he was all of those things, but he was also hardcore in what he called his people to live and go out, and he was not okay with things just being comfortable. Like, he was healing on the Sabbath right in front of people, and, like, that was making some Pharisees uncomfortable. And I would just ask you today, what excuses are you using? What excuses are you using about not inviting to the blessed table? And I think this next, next point really begins to expound on what that looks like into our life. We've got to understand there's, there's still room. And it's our call to go out. So whatever excuses we're using, we need to begin to look them in the eyes, call them what they are, and move forward on what God's called us to do. Let's continue. Go back to the text. We're going to find something right after the go out. Then the master told his servant, go out to the country, the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in. 
we all love to be compelled, right? No, like we really, we begin to think of that in really negative terms, right? We think of the preacher standing on the corner or the, or the pseudo preacher, whatever it is, just like preaching like hell, fire, and brimstone. We kind of begin to think of that or like compel, like, but there's something to this idea of compelling. Like when's the last compelling story that you've heard? I mean, what's the most recent compelling story? Um, we all love a good story, a compelling story that moves us, a, a, a story of a you know, phoenix-type deal where they just kind of rise out of the ashes. We love that. It compels us. It inspires us to, to, to be greater. This idea of compelling them, what does that look like in our current context when it comes to inviting people to the blessed table? What does that look like? Many people begin to say, hey, pastor, we need to begin to do more marketing and better marketing at our church. And that's like how we're going to compel people to come in. We begin to think about, hey, man, if we just had some cool lights that were moving, like people would really be drawn to Jesus. And like, I'm not banging that stuff. I'm just saying, many times those are the things that we begin to think of in order to create a compelling story or something. Hey, pastor, like, let's do some more events. Let's do that. And like, well, that's great. We're going to do those things. And all the, none of those things are bad. None of them are. They're all great. We've done them. We're going to do them, okay? Like, it's, it's just a part, like, we're not against those things, but, but the core of what's compelling and what's moving and what Jesus is calling us to it has to do with you and me and our current culture because all those things, those things don't work everywhere in the world. I think the really compelling thing and what Jesus has called us to do is, is to share his love and grace from our heart. I mean, that sounds real complicated, doesn't it? Like, you got to come up with a good marketing plan. No, but I think it, it, it's really simple what Jesus is drawing us to. It's really simple, but it's really difficult. That's the thing about Jesus' parables. They're usually really simple, but very hard. His commands are not hard. They're not a lot to think through. But we've got to be able to obey and push back some comfort and some excuses that we've really accepted. And, and I would just speak to us today. Why? Because you have a compelling story. You have a compelling story. Um... I forgot to ask my wife if I could use her, her story, but um, year, years ago we, we were uh, doing a thing at a previous church we were serving at in another state, and um, it was this time of like, you have a story. We were really kind of pounding this and just helping everyone understand their story. And it was a tough kind of time for Taryn because she was like, I don't know if I have a story. It was just a tough time for her to begin to wade through this. And it wasn't that she didn't think she had a story. She just didn't feel like it lived up and it was compelling enough. It was, you know, she grew up in a pastor's family and, you know, had a good life, had a great relationship with her parents and her mom and sister and her mom and her sister. She doesn't have a sister. So with her, her brother, he's kind of got long hair, but um, very much a dude, very much a dude. Um, and it was just kind of a, a tough time for her wading through this and, and like feeling like I don't really have a story. And as she began to kind of express this to some people, she got such encouragement. She got such encouragement and really built up and began to understand like, you, like you're every mom's dream. And that's what like some of the moms were saying. Like I want my daughter to have your story. I want my daughter to have your story. Like, that is a story. And so whatever you say, I may not have a story or, or my story's not finished. Duh, your story's not finished. You have a story, and, and it's a compelling one at that. And, and really, let me just give you a, 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 f- a few things on really what it looks like to, to walk in this compelling story. But 
you have to understand that, that you're valuable to the kingdom of God and you are in this room for a very reason because you have a story and you have access to people that no one else has access to. People begin to think of the pastor is really good at compelling people. You know what happens when I tell people I'm a pastor or they find out I'm a pastor? They shut down. This ain't 30 years ago. This ain't 40 years ago. It's tough. I, I keep that a secret as long as I can when I'm just in public. I do. I do. I, because otherwise, the conversation ends and they walk away. You have access to people that I don't. You, you are drawing people and you have the ability to compel people that I cannot. And that's really what it's a, a, about in the kingdom of God and what he's speaking to us here. So how can you compel someone? First, we've got to be passionate about the kingdom. Understand that this is all about the kingdom. It's all about, his, about people understanding the love and grace and mercy that Jesus brings them and the new life that he wants to start in them. Be passionate about the kingdom. Care about people. If you don't care about people, like we won't speak up. We'll accept the excuses. But when we begin to care more about the kingdom and care more uh, about people than we care about our comfort, than we care uh, about our excuses, that's when we'll see our, ourselves begin to fulfill what Jesus has called us to do. But right now, a lot of us, we care more about our excuses, we care more about our comfort than we do about the kingdom, and we care about people. And it causes us to cross the street, it causes us to, to, to go next door and start a friendship with a neighbor that we've lived 10 years next to. It, it causes us to go to the cubicle, cubicle next and just start a conversation with the awkward person that we always try to avoid. We've got to be passionate about the kingdom. That's where this is birthed from. It's care about people. And I'd say know your story and be willing to share it. And, and you may just need to take some time, devotional time, just reading through this text and asking this simple question, like, what, what, what excuses am I using, Lord? And, and really, what, help me understand my story. Help me to understand, like, what all this that happened back here and why it happened, and I'll never understand that, but just help me to understand the story and the beauty and the redemption and restoration you're bringing me in this very moment. You begin to wonder why some of those happened, and, and for those of you that are going through a really tough time right now, and, and you don't understand why everything's happened, or maybe you've been through terrible things in your life, and you never understand why those things happened, I've found in my life, in my life personally, when I'm sitting down with someone and I'm finally sharing with another person that has gone through those things and the comfort and strength they find in looking at my eyes and telling them it's going to be okay and that Jesus heals and Jesus brings restoration and redemption despite the garbage that's around us and the things that happen to us, like through that, like I've found like I found a sense of peace and joy in the garbage that I endure, the stupid things that I got myself into. I found, I found a, a gratitude, a greater gratitude towards Jesus and allowing me to be used. And it's a joy to be used of the Lord. And so whatever it is, if it's insecurity, if it's thoughts of suicide, if it's depression, if it's divorce, if it's you name it, if it's addiction of any sort, that you've battled through, that you're battling through, you have a story. Begin to ask the Lord, help me to understand what you're doing here and help me to overcome those excuses and be willing to share them because it's about the kingdom. Let's begin to finish this out here. Go back to the text for me. Go out to the, country, the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full so that my house will be full.
They say in um, a church, the only people that want the room to be full is whoever's on stage. And that's right, I get that. I walk into a room, I want some the- in theater room, I want to pick my seat, I want to sit where I want. But that should never be the case in the kingdom of God. It should never be the case for Christians. If we do, we, we need to have real heart checks. And say, God, am I, do I care about your kingdom? Do I care about people? And most likely, if, if we're in that place, like we're going to realize that we care more about this than we care about this. And Jesus is calling us to overcome those things. We're called to go out. We're called to, to we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus and are the word of our testimony. And we have, a, have to have a heart. And this is the Father's heart. This is what Jesus is revealing here. That my house will be full. Like we've talked about, we're called to go out. You have a compelling story. But let's talk about the Lord's heart for a second. His heart is that the house will be full. His heart is in anger and mad. He's just, he's just passionate. He's passionate about people understanding his love and grace and receiving the beautiful mercy, the beautiful invitation that he's given us. And gosh, I'm so thankful he did. I'm so thankful he is passionate about that. God desires for his house to be full. God, help us to have your heart today. Help us to have your heart. God, help us to understand our story and overcome our excuses. God, I pray for us today to find encouragement in that. I want to tell you about three strategic events over the next three months that I believe it's a a season. and, And before you think this is anything about us, and I've said it over and over again, it's about the kingdom. It's about people starting new walks with Jesus. We've got three strategic events over the next three months that we want you to be engaged in inviting people. And as you're inviting them, you're praying for them. You're saying, and this has been a blessing in my life, I'm praying that you can start anew in the kingdom of God. I pray that that you'll understand God's love and grace. And if you're inviting them to a movie night, like uh, is going to happen at the beginning of December. We're having a couple of movie nights here on the back with some great Christmas movies, popcorn and hot chocolate. It's going to be great. If you're inviting to that, you're praying the kingdom of God for them. You're, you're praying that they begin to understand their story and, and they begin to, uh, to overcome excuses and comfort as you're doing. It's only 12 days away, so get to inviting. Our Christmas service is only 35 days away. And, and, and I know, it's crazy. And this, it's one of the, the, the highlights of a, a church's calendar because we, we stop and, and just celebrate Jesus' entrance into this world and the king, kingdom he established. 35 days away, it's a Sunday bef- before Christmas that we're going to gather together and we just, we want the Lord's desire. We don't want him to be angry. We want, we want his house to be full. And our two-year anniversary, two years we've been kind of up and running 50, only 56 days away. And we're going to do our best to, to harness the momentum that's going to happen over the three months now. And you say, that sounds like a really good strategy. And like, yeah, it is. But you know what it's a strategy for? It's a strategy for the kingdom of God. It's a strategy for us to begin to be invested in, in the people that are surrounding us. That we care more about our comfort and our, or less about our comfort and excuses. We care more about the kingdom more about people understanding the love and grace that God's given them and and the beauty and the freedom and life that he's called us to. So I want you to stand with me today.